Good day and welcome back to another episode of Life Leadership in the Pursuit of Greatness. Today we are joined by longtime head football coach Kevin Miller from Solon High School. Coach Miller has been an influencer for many years in that community and, and brought a culture that is second to none. We can't wait to break down how he has sustained that amazing culture with his players, his community, and his staff. Tune in as we get better today. Here we go. Good day, everybody. Welcome to Life Leadership and the Pursuit of Greatness. We are excited to have head coach Kevin Miller from Solon High School joining us today. We're going to talk about a subject many of you are very interested in learning about, and that is how to sustain a championship culture. Uh, coach Miller has done a phenomenal job where he is right now, uh, and we can't wait to hear his story. Uh, but first, Coach Mathis, how are you today? Doing well. Awesome. Coach Miller, how about you? I'm outstanding. Thank you for asking and thank you for having we me. We are excited. Coach, before we get into what really made your program where it is today, would you just give us kind of your history? What got you to where you are now? Oh, boy. You don't... As you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of an old guy, so <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, go back in, uh, in time a little bit. Um, it started for me back in 1994. Um, I was an assistant coach at Highland Lone Tree for three seasons under Coach Dan Dickel, whom I have a great deal of respect and admiration for, just a, a tremendous mentor for me personally and professionally. Um, and then I took my first head coaching job at Boscobel, Wisconsin for one year. Um, and then my second stint, I went to MFL Marmac the following year, followed by jumping to Iowa City, Regina um, in my third year as a head coach. And then the fourth year, I uh, became head coach at Solon High School, where now I've been the head coach uh, for 19 years. So I wasn't a model of consistency there for the first four years, but um, I think it was part of God's plan and putting me back to, uh, you know, where I was supposed to be. And that's at my alma mater to uh, make an impact and to c carry on the rich tradition that was established by Coach Hansen and his staff. Hmm. Coach, you, you and I talked for a little bit yesterday about uh, some of the struggles you, you had early on in your career, and obviously you haven't finished that way. So can you talk a little bit about some of the lessons you learned early in your career that translated to where you are? Absolutely. Yeah, the first two years, well, my first year at Basketball, we did not win a game. Um, and obviously that was difficult. And then jumping to MFL Marmac, we won one game. So in my first two years, I'd won one game. Um, and honestly, that was a great opportunity for me to grow to my life. And especially as a leader, um, it was an opportunity for me to um, reflect on the things that I needed to do to get to where I wanted to be. And I needed to grow myself, both personally, professionally, spiritually, emotionally, just in the different areas of my life in order to get me to where I wanted to be um, as a coach, because I needed to grow. And so I needed to surround myself with quality people and read quality books. Um, and I just really kind of made a vow to myself that I was willing to do whatever it took in order for me to become the type of coach and leader that I needed to be to head a sustainable program um, that really embodied those values that I thought was important uh, for a championship culture and championship program 
um, to withstand the, ta- the test of time. And so those first two years, I tell everybody, was probably the most, um, not just as a coach, but as a man. And I probably wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for those various trials and tribulations that I had to go through. Um, it, it really kind of defined the things that I needed to do to improve. And uh, so fortunately, I, you know, I landed at Iowa City, Regina, where I had great support um, from parents to administration and outstanding players. And then obviously coming to Sola now, where I've just had, you know, the, the pleasure of coaching outstanding players and had, you know, honestly, one of the best abs, you know, a head coach could possibly ask for just a very knowledgeable group of men that really, again, embodied those values that I thought were important that we wanted to integrate within our uh, program to our players. So, um, but it was then in those moments where I really learned a lot about myself, you know, and, and what it took to lead. And I just tried to, again, surround myself with quality people, try to identify mentors that would allow me to grow. Uh, try to get my hands on as much literature as possible that would enable me to reach my potential. Um, and and really, in a nutshell, you know, as I said, it was those experiences that allowed me to reflect on the things that would uh, benefit me most moving forward. And there's just some some non-negotiable, non-negotiables that I established along the way that I've always adhered to over the span of the last, you know, 20 some years as well. Coach, can you talk about some, obviously, I think your high school head coach, Ed Hansen, you know, who is pretty uh, famous in Eastern Iowa and uh, longevity, his career at Solon. But uh, can you talk about some of your other mentors that you've had along the way and the impact that they've had on you? Oh, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to, Dwayne. Um, As I mentioned, Dan Dickel was a uh, outstanding mentor for me. Um, He was the head coach at Highland Lone Tree. Prior to being at Highland Lone Tree, he was at West High. Um, he played at the University of Iowa and played um, in the NFL for seven or eight years. And not only taught me a lot about the game and how to manage a program, but to be a quality man as far as, you know, being spiritual and how to lead by example and putting people first. And um, those are the type of things that I learned from him is just that leading by example piece. Um and just understanding the value of processes and not outcomes. Um, and so he was extremely influential in my life. I couldn't be, you know, um, more appreciative to what he's done. Um, coach Ed Haydenfeld, who's on our staff, who was um, obviously a product of Coach Hansen's staff. And I was fortunate to have him as a member of my staff for, I believe it was 14 years prior to retiring. Another man that, I just really looked up to with regards to how he conducted himself and how he uh, developed relationships with young people. Um, And just, I bounced a lot of ideas when I was frustrated or discouraged or needed guidance. He was a guy that I always turned to in a time of need and crisis. And so, you know, he was just a guy that I always admired and, and respected as a player. And now having that opportunity to coach alongside him was also very beneficial for me to grow. But those are the, the two main guys and just, you know, some of the great coaches in our staff, you know, Tom Wilson, I know pretty well. Um, he's a guy that certainly bounced ideas off of and Kurt Ritchie and Joe Hadachek. And I just really believe if you want to grow as a coach, you need to be around people that bring out the best in you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually successful people, whether it be in coaching business, they leave a trail um, of clues. And so I just tried to really 
try to rub elbows with those people to better understand how they manage their program and the things that they were doing that allowed them to be highly successful. Coach, I'm going to go back to kind of where you, you were starting there in, in terms of developing some non-negotiable core values. Can, can you discuss some of those that you feel are vital to, to where you are now? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I think the, one, of, one of the big things that I've always tried to abide by as a coach is I didn't expect our players or people to do things that I wasn't willing to do myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think great leaders do that. That was a non-negotiable for me. If I expected our players to be in the weight room, I had to be there. If I expected our players to be at team camps or, you know, speed training or whatever, wherever our kids were at, I was there. Um, that was just a, to me, that was a pillar of, of what we do and what to me being a leader represents. Secondly, just putting people first, um, helping others, that servanthood leadership type of a mentality, that was a non-negotiable um, for me as a leader. And that's something within our uh, staff that we, we tried to promote as well. Um, and just having a value system, you know, in place as far as what our core values represent, some non-negotiables. And for me, that was respect, hard work and discipline um, and just a standard of excellence that we needed to adhere to, adhere to in everything that we did, whether it be on the practice field, game field, classroom, at home, how we treat people. Um, those are just some of the things that come to mind as far as the non-negotiables. But it really starts with me. You know, it, it, it does. And great leaders have to have the ability to add value to other people. And that's always been one of my strengths is to add value and to empower others. And with that, you know, I think at the end of the day, good leaders, they recognize others and add value to what they're doing. And it's not about them. It's about the organization and the people that make up that organization. And so that's always been a a central piece to what our program has has been and what it hopefully means to this community. Coach, when you're talking about adding value to them, what are some ways that you've helped develop some of the staff into the culture that you guys have at Solon and have had, you know, a lot of success with? Well, I think it starts with the relationships. Um, And in relationships take time. You have to value relationships, spending time with one another, not just on the practice field or game field, but outside um, the game itself or outside of school. Um, that was one of the first things I, I wanted to do initially when I took over the job was to develop relationships with all of our staff. And for me, another part of that valuing is delegating. You know, I, I think good coaches have the ability to delegate responsibility. There's that trust factor. Um, and I, I think that that was important in our, in our quest of, of that sustainability is the fact that you delegate to quality people. Obviously, they have to earn that, but a lot of those guys, you know, when I first came in, they were on staff. I already had um, a tremendous amount of respect for those guys. And so I just really felt like I needed to kind of allow them to do what they did best. I didn't try to micromanage um, their ability to not only coach, but make a profound impact on our players. And so I just really did a pretty good job of delegating responsibility to them and allowing them to make the type of impact that I thought it was important. The other part is just being flexible and authentic. Um, 
I, I thought, I believe those are, you know, two important qualities of adding value is, you know, being authentic, you know, just because I'm the head coach doesn't allow my ego to supersede what we're trying to accomplish collectively as a, as a program, being who I am, I thought was important and allowing them to be who they are. We all have various strengths. We have some weaknesses and sometimes we're going to have to agree to disagree on stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay to have that type of environment. You know, if you have a, an environment where everybody agrees on everything all the time, you're not growing. You know, you need to be able to embrace those ideas of your assistant coaches and allow them to have input and feedback. And that's back to valuing, you know, them as people and what they bring to the table. So those are some things that I thought were important in terms of adding value to my staff, um, allowing them to feel like they were an integral part or piece of what we were trying to aspire to accomplish as a program. So we, so you've made it clear that building trust is key to building the culture, culture to drive that behavior. And, and you obviously had the results to, to back that up. Now, as you were jumping into this program, moving, moving from the earlier part of your career, what did you do to get the administration to buy into your vision? Uh, or did you have to do that? What were some steps that you thought were important in terms of getting top level buy-in? Well, I think we talked, it wasn't about wins and losses. You know, we never talked about outcomes. We talked about the process of what Solon football would be as far as, you know, developing our players into quality young men and having them embody or possess those qualities that we thought were essential in terms of equipping them to go into various communities mm -hmm. and be difference makers and contribute to their various communities in a positive way. Um, and they've been extremely supportive, you know, in that quest because, again, great coaches understand the value of if you worry about doing the little things on a consistent basis, as far as instilling those character values, such as integrity and hard work and discipline and respect and teamwork, you know, winning takes care of itself. The outcomes naturally take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. So we've just always been a process based program that have focused on the details. Um, you know, you know, you know, some of the things that I really believe are, developing those positive habits. I just really believe in um, positive cultures possess those habits that develop into a positive routine. So then you develop that sense of consistency over time um, because everybody's doing the same thing on a consistent basis. So it's just those habits that have been ingrained in our kids from the time they were in junior high to the time they get into our program they understand what the demands of the weight room are. They, they understand the demands of the classroom and the community service and all of the different things that it means to be a soul and football player. Some of that is developing those habits on a consistent basis um, to develop those positive routines that then the process naturally takes care of itself, as does the outcomes. Coach, with winning comes expectations. And obviously, when you – you have a, a program that's been on a roll like yours was winning four state championships in a row at Solon. You get expectations within the community. How did you tamper that within your program? Or is it just something that you just expect when you, you know, that pressure to continue to, to compete at a very high level? Oh, that's a good question. Dwayne. You know, 
back in the day, it was stressful. There's no question about that. But as I mentioned earlier, and I, I'm just a big believer in adhering to that process. We never got too far ahead of ourselves. We stayed focused on the things that have made us who we are. And that's back to those core values. That's part of the process of, you know, who we are as a program. We never got away from that. We, we never, yeah, the goal was, and the expectations were to, you know, win a district championship, win a state championship, but it was about focusing on the things that we can control. And that's getting better every day. And in order for that to happen, each individual, if they were, you know, concerned about getting 1% better every day, you know, then we weren't really concerned about winning a state championship. We were just consider we were concerned about the process of improvement. And that, that I think allowed us to sustain, you know, that success that we experienced um, from 2006, really through 2010. And, you know, when we jumped up to 3A, certainly that created, you know, some different demands where we had to um, transition, of, you know, some of the things that we did and we tailored some of the things we did differently in order to compete at a higher level. And that's really where we started to grow as a program. We, we had a, a tremendous amount of success, you know, in that span, four or five years there, no question about it. But the jump to 3A forced us to really identify the things that we weren't doing well or that we should be doing better to compete with the upper echelon teams in 3A. If we wanted to compete with the Xaviers and, you know, North Scott, Western Dubuques, then we had to kind of change, not change, but modify and revise um, our system a little bit to be able to compete at, at a higher level. And so it was kind of in that 2010, 2011 timeframe where we made some, some changes to what we did to allow ourselves to compete at the level that we were forced to compete at. So going through that process, identifying a few things that you needed to tweak, I'm sure you had to have some challenging conversations along the way in terms of accountability and discipline. Um, what, what was that like? What were some of those things that you had to, uh, to deal with? Well, I think we had to educate first parents, administration, staff, players on how we needed to change, not change necessarily, but grow, you know, like our practice schedule and our format changed completely. Um, and I think everybody now is doing something a little bit different than what they did eight, 10 years ago, because your ability to, you know, manage your practices differently through huddle, you can script everything and everything's, you know, planned out to the minute. Um, and so obviously naturally, you know, we've evolved in that capacity but it's just making better use of our time. I think that's the really, that's the biggest thing is managing our time better and creating more competition within the structure of our practice. We really try to do a, a better job of identifying those things that we could do to create competition, whether that be one-on-one, -on -one, whether that's inside run, seven-on-seven -seven team. Um, and so we, you know, we got some different information and some things that have enabled our practice setting to be more competitive to try to simulate the type of competition that we were going to face on a consistent basis and at the 3A level. Um, that really, I think, was, was a key component, along with just trying to spend more quality time watching film or, you know, we, we, we had to change a little bit of our scheduling in order to just have more quality time because we're facing some 3A teams mm -hmm. at 2.2. I mean, so... You know, when we're facing 
you know, as Xavier, some of those teams have just one-way guys. So they're able to divide their practice. They're getting double the amount of reps we are. And so we have to be able to formulate or devise a plan to best make use of the time that we have available to us. And so we had to get creative, you know, with our practice scheduling and just what we were doing preseason wise with our camp. Um, you know, we, we came in on Sundays, which we had never done to watch film and install the game plan. And so then on Monday was a developmental day where it used to be more of a film watching and intro um, the game plan. So we just had to kind of shuffle around our schedule a little bit to get more quality time on the field. Coach, when you're talking about, uh, you know, building the trust and the relationships with, you know, players and coaches, but more so in, in the coaching aspect, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's been a conversation throughout your career that you've had to have a kind of a, a difficult conversation with a, with a fellow coach. And can you talk about just the, the process of how your approach to that was? And, you know, I'm sure it wasn't, you know, your favorite part looking back on your career, but I'm sure it was a necessary part. Yeah, those are some of the things that um, are not necessarily the fun aspect of being a head coach. But all leaders, all great leaders, are faced with confrontation and conflict. And how you handle that conflict is kind of indicative of the type of leader you are. Um, and that's why I think trying to be out in front of it, I think is important as a coach to identify those things, you know, ahead of time so they don't lead to those type of, you know, situations that may arise. But when they do, you have to have honest conversations. And at the end of the day, it always needs to revolve around the player. It can't be personal in nature. You know, so when you have a conflict that comes about, it, it needs to be centered around players, not, you know, the personal issues that you may have with a coach and it can never get personal, you know, and, and sometimes it does. Um, but it, you need to look at the big picture. And I think it needs to stem strictly and centrally around, you know, the players and how it impacts them. Every decision should be made around players. Um, and again, not allowing your ego or some of the issues outside of, you know, the program to impact your relationships. Because again, as I mentioned earlier, Sometimes you have to agree to disagree on things. It's not personal. It's, it's in the betterment of the program. And if it's coming from a place, you know, that's important, you know, the heart, if it's coming from the heart, then you would hope that the staff would be receptive to that. But I think it's just being honest and authentic and being real and letting them know, you know, the real concerns that you have. And just, again, it's back to valuing and respecting staff as well. And knowing that sometimes you're not always going to agree or disagree on things, but it's just part of the relationship that you have as a staff and to try to encourage, you know, each other to have a, an opinion and to give input and feedback. And if it does create some, some friction, sometimes as adults and as leaders, we have to deal with that in a responsible manner. And I think, again, if you, if it revolves around players first, um, I believe that that's the most. I've always told aspect. my staff that if uh, when we have meetings, I don't want, you know, feel free to give your opinions. I want to know them because if they're going to differ from mine, that's fine. Uh, you know, and I want I don't need you to be a, a yes person kind of deal to this, you know, hop on the bandwagon. But ultimately, when we leave the leave this classroom or leave this office or meeting that we ultimately all have to be on the same page and have each other's back. And I'm, a, I'm assuming that's pretty much 
kind of what that process goes for you guys as well. Yeah, it does. You know, again, you don't get too wrapped up in the, you know, you leave it there and whatever we talk about behind closed doors stays, you know, behind closed doors. And so I just think that that is something that you have to have that type of a relationship with your coaches that they understand that format. Um, and again, I've, I've had the great fortune of just having outstanding staff season guys that have been through, you know, a lot, they've seen a lot, they've experienced a lot. So I rely heavily on their input, their feedback. They've been invaluable to our success and mo- much of our success is attributed to our staff and the great players and the, the people that we have in place. When, um, when you look at, you know, building accountability into your uh, coaches and they, they funnel that down into the players, um, what do you see as being uh, the best way for having players step up into that leadership role where they, they are understand the standard and they make sure the standard is passed through the team? How do you, how do you incorporate young men into that leadership role when, when we know that that can be a really uncomfortable process? Boy, that's, that's a great question. And I, and I think that is a process Um, And it starts about influence first. You know, I believe great leaders have influence over other people. Um, And so you try to identify those individuals that have influence, guys who do the things properly, both on and off the field, how they treat their teammates, how they conduct themselves as far as their decision making and um, just that whole process. And then to pour into them, some of those important leadership qualities. You know, leadership is, is really not that difficult. If you can't lead yourself, then you can't lead others, you know, at the end of the day. And that's what we talk often to our leaders about. It's, it starts with you. You need to provide the proper example, okay, as, as far as the standard that we have at Solon. And that's doing the right things both on and off the field, treating people, you know, the way that you want to be treated, and continuing to pour into them the value of the value structure that we have in place as far as the discipline and the hard work and you know those type of things we i just believe that good leaders have to walk the walk and to teach them the value of leading by example by providing you know that example for the younger players and all that they do that standard of excellence um and so we have leadership meetings um usually April and May, where basically we kind of go through a leadership course and talk about what that process looks like as far as, you know, leading by example, what is leadership? You know, let's identify the characteristics of a great leader. Um, You know, give me an example of, you know, a great leader. You know, we often talk, and, and some of the two big things that we talk about our kids, I want our kids to know two things when they leave our program, period. And this is really what, everything revolves around as far as the development of our players. We want them to know one, who they are, who, who are you when you graduate from Solon high school? If you can't articulate that and you don't know that, then someone, okay. Or something will determine Mm -hmm. that for you. So you need to understand what makes you who you are. All right. What type of characteristics do you as a man possess? Secondly, what are what is your purpose? What are you created to do? You know, I tell our seniors, when you walk out the, the door, 
your last day, I want you to ask yourself those two questions. Who are you as a man and what is your purpose? Because in a world where we need solid leadership and we need difference makers and we need, you know, leaders in various communities and societies where they embrace those important qualities that are sometimes lacking, you know, I feel like as a football coach, we have a unique opportunity to teach our kids, you know, those important values so then they can not only lead their households, but lead the communities that they're involved in. So those are the two, you know, kind of those non-negotiables that we talk about as far as player development that we want our kids to know when they leave. I mean, I, you could tell, ask every kid in our program and they know those are the two things that they need to have an understanding about. And what it allows kids to do is to reflect mm. on their lives. Okay. Who am I? And when I treat people, what, what do other people see when they see me? My purpose, what am I created to do? Am I becoming the best version of myself and what I'm doing? So it just allows our kids kind of this introspective approach of, you know, am I, go, am I on the right path? Am I doing the right things? Um, and that's just something that we've really here the last five or six years have hung our hat on um, are those particular questions that we want our kids to ask themselves and what we want them to know, hopefully, when they leave. Coach Miller, you talk about um, one of the things that you said there that I wrote down in my notes here that, you know, sometimes the more, more simple things to me can be a little bit more profound. When you said you can't lead yourself, you can't lead others. And I'm sure you've had kids that have had that real uh, charismatic personality, you know, kids flock to them, but for whatever reason, they don't want to buy into things that you're talking about in your program, those non-negotiables. So how do you steer kids away from those kids that just, you know, kids naturally want to flock to and sometimes can just be cancers within your program? Boy, I think that's a great question. <laughs> I, I think every coach in America is faced with you know, that type of a dilemma, no question about it. Um, what I like to do, you know, obviously when I hear about our kids making poor choices, decisions, whatever, if I hear something rumored, for instance, I like that. I'll, I'll call our kids in and just have a real conversation with them. And I just, I believe we, you need to ask questions to seek meaning and to check for understanding, you know, from your standpoint, you know, so when I bring a, a player in I want to ask hey this is what I'm hearing you know and I'm not asking them to confirm and say yes or no or whatever I just want them to hear from me okay what are our standards what are our expectations what are your goals and so I put it back on them okay instead of me preaching to them I believe asking questions to players about, hey, are you doing the things that you need to do? If not, then this is how it's perceived by other by some of your teammates or by some of the younger players. So I just believe by asking questions, it allows them to once again reflect on their actions and what they're doing and whether it's benefiting or taking away from you know, what they're trying to accomplish individually and collectively as a team. And, you know, it's certainly changed a little bit over the span of the last coaching's changed, you know, players, you know, 
as far as the connection piece is a little bit different. Um, and so just trying to find those opportunities to find meaningful connections, I think is important. And so when I have an opportunity to bring a player into the office to talk about, you know, things that I'm hearing or just to check in periodically, but I, I just really believe they need to understand um, what the expectations are. And by asking them questions, they they get they get to a pretty good understanding that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and so that's something that I've always tried to do with our players is bring them in. Or sometimes, you know, I try to empower our leaders. You know, if we if I have a couple of players come to me and talk to me about a player that they heard was you know doing the wrong things, I'm like, okay, this is a great opportunity for you to lead, um, and it doesn't have to be confrontational, um, and this is how you know you need to proceed in this you know, particular situation is similar to what I talked about. Just, you know, ask them questions and try to understand, you know, the reasoning behind their decision-making and their actions. And so um, just to empower our kids to be leaders and to take responsibility, but also try to establish those meaningful opportunities for me to also address some of those things as well. That's really powerful coach. We, um, yeah, I think I think that's the challenge for every single coach in bringing those kids along to align to the culture while allowing them to be themselves is is a really challenging piece. Um, I wanted to transition a little bit to coaches, and you're 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 in a different stage in your career right now um, from where you were, you know, over 20 years ago. Two, this is a two part question, so I may have to remind you of the second part. But if you're if you have advice for a coach. Uh, moving into a new situation, a difficult situation, let's say coming off, uh, coming into a program that is in a transition from a, from a tough spot. What's your advice, number one, to that coach, to building that culture back to where they want it, and then transitioning to where you're leaving, uh, what would advice would you have for someone coming in to replace someone such as yourself who has had such a, a long, sustained history of success? Well, I think it starts, you know, honestly with a a coach that needs to come in and understand, you know, what it is they want to accomplish. You know, I, as I said, to be, you know, to begin with, we're a process based, you know, program, you know, what does that process look like? You know, and I think even as coaches need to ask themselves that question, who am I as a coach and what do I want our players to know when they leave this program and who do I want them to become when they leave the program? You know, because if it's strictly about outcomes and winning, you're missing the mark, Mm. you know. So I think those are important questions you need to ask yourself and you need to be able to answer them honestly. You know, if it's about your ego and if it's about, you know, external motivation, then, you know, honestly, then you're probably in, you know, the wrong occupation. Now, that's those are the things if I were to start a program right now, that's what I would do is I would sit down and define, okay, one, what is, what is our mission? You know, what are our goals? What are our expectations? What is the process that we're going to go through as far as player development? And as far as having an opportunity for every player within our organization to reach their maximum potential in every aspect of their lives to become the best version of what they're created Mm. to be. I really believe that should be each and every coach's honest okay that's how they should go in to 
a particular program and every season is try to maximize the ability to squeeze out the most of each and every individual. And if every coach in America had that same type of a mindset, you know, we, we would be, we would have a movement on our hands um, because everyone would be focused on creating opportunities for each individual to become the best with their, as to what they're created to be. Um, and sometimes we get caught up and we get sidetracked and get derailed a little bit because we lose sight of what we're trying to do. But I think if we have those ob objectives and those goals and understand who we are and what we want our program to represent and what kind of a coach am I and, you know, how am I viewed by my players? There's just a whole series of questions that I think you need to be able to ask yourself and answer in order to, you know, be the type of coach and be and have your program be the type of program you hope to be. Um, I think that's centrally important is knowing what you want your program to be and to live it and to lead by example. As I said, you know, and, and as I've retired now and I've reflected and I've told other people early in my career and I have regrets, I'm not going to lie, you know, and I'll say that openly. When my kids were at daycare and they were at BASP, I was in the weight room and I was doing other things other than being with my children because that's what I thought I needed to do. I, I felt like I needed to provide that positive example for our players. Again, I wasn't going to expect our kids to do things that I wasn't willing to do myself. And as a result, my kids were at daycare and I paid daycare and I paid BASP while I was still at the weight room not getting paid. So those are the sacrifices that you have to be willing to make if you want to get to where you want to be. You talk to your kids about making sacrifices and doing the things that they need to do in order to be successful. You know, that's just an example as a coach, okay, that you can provide. And I did that. And now, is, do I regret some of that? Perhaps. But now moving forward, I have, that's one of the reasons I got out of coaching is so I can now share in those experiences with my kids. I'm not going to miss out on any more of the things that I missed out in the past. And so just leading by example and being you know, a product of the program um, I, was really important to me. Um, and now the second part of uh, that question as far as what was it? What kind of recommendations do you have for the coach coming in after me? Yeah, yeah, coming into a program like you're leaving. You know, I, I think it's be authentic and be who you are. Um, and just like when I came to Seoul and we didn't make a lot of changes, the system wasn't broken. So to me, we adhered to the, some of the same principles and values that were prevalent when I, when I first arrived, that didn't change. Um, and so my recommendation is don't, you know, you don't need to change much. It, it, I would try to retain as much of the staff as possible because I believe they're quality people that have the same type of mindset as far as developing people. Um, and I just back to connections. I just, I really believe great coaches have the ability to connect with kids and in order for that to happen, you have to be relational. You have to invest in relationships. And, and that takes time, okay? That's why it's so, you know, being a part of, you know, the high school, being a teacher in the high school is easy because I get to see them every day and I get to, you know, rub elbows with them and just ask them how their day's going. And, but those meaningful connections are important. I really believe that. And that's how you develop that mutual respect and that bond and 
you know, that's always been an important part of coaching for me, the relational part. And that's why it was so hard to step down because of that. It was, it was strictly about the connections and that, you know, now the kids are going to view me differently than they have before. Um, I'm just going to be a teacher to them. And, and that's not a bad thing, but I just believe a coach player relationship is different. It's, it's deeper. It's more, it's meaningful. You all, you have the same common goals and objectives you've invested in the same thing and so I just believe those are some things that I would advise you know the next coach to do is you know just stay true to the the process the system that's in place and invest in kids because we've got a lot of great kids here at Solon and I'm just as I've said very very fortunate very blessed to have (laughs) some outstanding players obviously you know hundreds of great players hundreds of great kids um outstanding staff, support from parents, administration, community, and that's what it takes in order to be successful. Coach, when you look back at your your career, what would you say, you know, you always hear that, you know, kids really haven't changed that much in regards to expectations we have for them and stuff like that. But what would you say from the start of your career to, you know, as you you wind down at the end of your career has been the biggest change that you've had to make evolving as a coach? Oh, boy, that's a good one. And I've thought about that a lot and reflected a lot on that type of a question. And, you know, I think a lot of it um, is due to our world now, as far as social media technology, um, that has certainly changed, you know, the game a little bit and the relationship piece and the connection piece, without a doubt. And so I think you need to try to, you know, take those opportunities and moments to connect with kids, every opportunity that you have, you know, cause their connections are different than what they were 10 or 15 years ago. You know, those, the relationships that they established 10 to 15 years ago are different than what they are now. You know, they're kind of focused on, you know, this mindset of getting what I want kind of when I want it. Um, and it's not to their fault. You know, it's a societal issue more so than anything. So the more that you can invest in them and in the relationship and trying to connect deeply with them, you know, that's the biggest thing. And that's why I believe questioning kids a lot, asking lots of questions, because this generation, in my opinion, and, and again, it's no fault of theirs. They don't have they they don't have this ability to have perspective about beyond what's going on in front of them you know, having empathy or seeing things beyond what's right in front of them or what applies to them specifically. So I believe those connections and those relationships need to be about that introspection, asking them, you know, how do you view this situation? How do you see this from so-and-so's perspective? Or how do you think this makes so-and-so feel? Because they don't have that ability to kind of, and I'm not saying every individual, but kind of as a whole, you know, it's a generation right now where they don't have the ability to reflect on what's going on around them and to see the world, you know, and the needs of others and to serve others and to assist others in their journey. And so trying to make them understand that. And I think that's just an open dialogue that involves questioning to ask them specifically, hey, how, how would you feel if this, you know, look at it from so-and-so's perspective, how would this make you feel if you did this to them or just making them understand from a different perspective, how their actions are impacting other people. And that's the one thing I've tried to do a better job of 
um, is understanding how my communication, it's one thing to communicate, it's another to connect. You know, I just read a great book from John Maxwell and it's about that, it's about connecting. Connecting is different than communicating completely. And so that connection process involves, you know, understanding who the receiver is, all right, and helping them and being a servant to them. Um, and their needs come before yours and making them understand, you know, there's something bigger and, and greater than themselves. So, you know, that's kind of in a nutshell how I believe this, this generation is a little bit different than 10 to 15. And it doesn't make them better or worse. I just, I think good coaches, and I really believe this, good coaches understand that every player is a little bit different. And some kids, you know, you can motivate differently and you can inspire and you can connect differently and understanding what buttons to push to bring the best out of those individuals, you know, are what really separate the great coaches from the good coaches is they have that ability to understand and get inside, you know, another individual to understand how they're feeling and what they need in order to be effective, not just as a football player, but, you know, the various needs that they have in their life. And so, and, and, and it looks different because kids come from different backgrounds and their needs are different. And, you know, it, it's, it's completely different. And so I've tried to evolve it, you know, as a coach in that perspective, um, where back in the day it was, this is the way things are going to be, you know, is a lot more black and white. This is, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. Um, and you're going to like it kind of a mentality. <laughs> and now that's, that's changed. It's a lot more gray. You know, and but it's back to those kids kind of finding who they are and helping them through that process. And coach, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier. Leadership isn't hard, but it's difficult because it has to be intentional. It has to be daily um, and it doesn't have to be complicated, but it certainly has to be consistent. And I, I from what I'm hearing, uh, you talk is um, being yourself be a connector uh, that takes intentionality on a daily basis. It, it certainly does. And it's about, again, even young kids growing themselves, you know, our kids are faced with the kids today are faced with a lot of adversity, just like, I mean, look at our current situation, you know, with the COVID-19, I learn a lot about kids and their leadership and how one thing we haven't talked much about, which I believe a lot in is, how kids handle adversity. You know, here we are, we're faced with some major adversity, some a major crisis. How are we responding to that? You know, are we responding in a positive way or a negative way? You learned a lot about leaders when they go through difficult times, like right now, you know, who are you as a leader and how are you handling this particular situation? Because you know, as John Maxwell said, and this is, I completely agree with this. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And especially no. now, you know, good leaders don't see this as a crisis. They see this as an opportunity, an opportunity to lead and to help create positive energy in spite of a lot of negativity that's being communicated. And so um, I just think, again, being authentic and being who you are and, you know, you, you've got to be able to practice what you preach and good leaders have that ability um, along with the, you know, connecting and understanding what other people need and when they need it. 
Well, that that is uh, incredible uh, insight, and, and again, it's it's not a difficult concept to understand, but it's a difficult piece to implement if you're not being intentional every day in what you're doing. Um, and I, I really think that uh, adversity is the key. You know, they they always say that you know football doesn't uh, build character; it reveals character, and, and much in the same way, you know, adversity doesn't build leadership; it reveals leadership. I think and I think what you're talking about is I think we just have an incredible opportunity right now to show our our players and our communities and our families that we will be okay. We will be better in the long run. We will understand the, the human urge to connect um, interpersonally. Uh, And that's what makes football such a unique sport is that that interpersonal relationship helps drive behavior because you know that at the end of the day, you want to, the person next to you to be successful, but they can't be as successful without you and vice versa. And that's, that to me is really the beauty of the sport that we're fortunate enough to, to coach. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, Tim, you're, you're right on, you're spot on. And in a time right now where our world needs true leaders and we need, you know, this generation of of young people to understand what's expected of them but how to handle this crisis and how to manage this crisis is so paramount. I, I just believe that there's so much fear right now and for good reason, obviously. Um, but you can't allow fear to dominate you, you know, you, you, you can. And I think in this day and age too, kids, they're faced with more pressures. I think they're more fearful than ever because of, you know, the, the whole social media, you know, how am I being perceived by people? You know, what kind of image do I have? What's the self, you know, what's my self perception? Mm. And that's why I believe, again, I can't come back, you know, I can't emphasize enough, you know, th- you, it need, you need to be rooted in who you are because there's all of these different places that are trying to tell you who you should be. And in order to be the type of person you should be, you should be doing this or be whatever. But if you're rooted in, if you know who you are and you're rooted in a value system that you're confident in, you know, you're not going to be swayed by the comments or thoughts of others, nor are you going to be, you know, driven by fear. And so, you know, that's just, I, I, I really believe that it's got to be a central piece in developing, you know, a program is empowering our kids to know who they are and feeling confident in who they are. And it's okay to fail. Because we have a we have a choice in how we choose to respond to the various things that happen to us. So I just really believe, you know, that's what I'm going to miss about coaching. You know, guys, that's, you know, I love it. I get passionate talking about it. I think that probably comes across. But, um, you know, that's going to be the piece I miss the most. It's not, yeah, I miss, I'm going to miss Friday nights. I'm going to miss the competition. But it's the daily interaction and the connection with kids that I'm truly going to miss. I think you still have a tremendous opportunity, though, Coach, uh, to have a, a great impact on you know not only coaches like Tim and myself, but you know younger coaches uh, in the sense of uh, being a tremendous mentor out there. I mean, because I, I, I trust me, I, I know that you still have a passion for this game, and I know that there's going to be out to you for for counsel and how would you handle this situation and 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 your legacy that you're not only are you going to leave within the and the players and coaches that you've coached with but you know coaches that you've coached against and now have an opportunity to to mentor well I appreciate that Dwayne I really do and you know that's what 
really, I want to pay it forward. And, you know, I talked to Tim yesterday. I, I, I'd love to come to practice and offer insight. I mean, I, that's something I want to be able to do is to give back and, you know, the, my various experience and knowledge that I've acquired over the years. And, you know, guys, I think we all need to understand as coaches, we have a unique opportunity, okay? There's very few professions in the world where you get to leave a legacy behind, not only, you know, in the short term, but in the long term, okay? Where it, the, the people that we have the opportunity to interact with and coach on a daily basis, they're going to go on and be husbands and fathers, and they're going to have, you know, children, and hopefully their children will will go on and not only provide the proper example, but instill the same type of qualities and characteristics that, you know, we've talked about within our program in a world that really needs it more than ever. You know, there's not very many professions that can provide, you know, that for young people. And so that's your legacy, you know, and, and for me, as I look back, that's what I'm going to miss. You know, I, I like to think that, you know, as a staff, we've done things the right way, but I'm not going to be able to make the same profound impact or at least not at the same level that I have the last 20 some years. And so, you know, if I can give back in, in another way to help younger coaches foster some of the things that I believe in, certainly that's, that's, that's powerful for me. And that's what I want to continue to try to do as well um, in the role that I'm assuming. And so, again, guys, it's just a unique opportunity to be a coach. And, you know, it's a, it's an, I, I talk about eternal impact. All of us coaches have an eternal impact, not just in the short term and our time here, but long after we're gone, those same things that we talk about every day and our players are hearing, we, and if they live out those same things and that's replicated over time, that's compounding and that's life-changing. And those are the things that, allowed me to do what I did for so long and truly, you know, it's never about winning championships or obviously the money, but there's very few people in professions that can say they have the opportunities that we have as coaches. Uh, that's tremendous coach. I, I, I can't, um, I can't tell you how excited I am for, to build the relationship you and I have established moving forward. Uh, you know, yesterday when we talked, like you mentioned, uh, I'm really excited for that, for that piece selfishly, to have you come in and evaluate, um, you know, kind of what we do on a daily basis. Um, and I think, I think you've really done a great job of identifying your fit moving forward um, because you've left it with kids, but now, now you have the opportunity to lead with, with people like me and Dwayne and other coaches in the area. I know we're going to listen to this. Um, you have a voice. Um, I don't even know if you realize how strong it is, uh, how powerful and how, how widespread it is. Uh, but people want to hear what you have to say and, and how you say it because you have demonstrated uh, what it takes to be successful. And, and again, it's not the it's not the X's and O's. It's it's that piece that goes beyond because ultimately here's where I know I stand. I, everything great in my life has come from the game that I get to coach. And I say I don't say that flippantly as, as a game, but um, I've learned values along the way um, and what to do, what not to do. Uh, but I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have my wife. I wouldn't have the marriage. I wouldn't have the kids. I wouldn't have the job. I wouldn't have the work ethic uh, without this game. And, and that's, you know, that's kind of my why is I want to be able to provide that same experience for others moving forward. Am I perfect at it? Nope. Got a long way to go. And, and I know you feel the same way, but that's ultimately my why. 
and I, and I, I think uh, Coach Mathis is similar in that as well. Well, the, again, thank you for the kind words, and I couldn't agree with you more. And we just need more coaches to lock arms and have that same type of mindset mm. and same type of approach. And if you do, winning will take care of itself naturally. There's no doubt about that. Because you're focused on, I mean, what it takes to win on the football field, it takes to win in the game of life. And you can't shortcut it. You know, it's, it's still about the little things, the littlest details, you know, those daily habits that you're developing on, a, you know, to develop part of your routine. And that's, that's got to be a, a consistent constant in, in your life. And so, again, it's just I get jacked up and enthused talking to, coaches and that's what I'm going to miss about it but if there's anything and I you know I know this is going to go out on on Twitter anybody that wants to talk football or wants you know a set of eyes or whatever to look at practice I'd be more than willing to to do that in some capacity coach what is your Twitter handle that people could uh, reach out to you if they needed to well currently and it may have to switch (laughs) um (laughs) it is uh just putting I, you I on the spot. Probably, yeah, I believe it's Solon F ball. Okay. So, but I'm going to probably have to switch that in the next month or so. That's yeah. probably going to be the, but that's where you can reach me right now. Okay. Um, you can DM me or whatever. Um, and also, if you want to, you know, be friends on Facebook too, you could do that. We can also connect, you know, in that format as well. I'd love to do that. Awesome. Well, Coach, we have under, uh, more than enjoyed the last hour. We appreciate your flexibility with some of the recording that we've had to do. Uh, but we are better, Dwayne and I, because of this hour we spent with you. Uh, you're gracious in your time and, and your sharing of knowledge with us. Uh, we can't thank you enough. We know that there's going to be some really good feedback f- for this. And, and I certainly wish you nothing but the best in, in your endeavors with your family and, and with Cam moving forward into college and, and the role that you're looking to move into uh, outside of coaching. So nothing but the best from our end. Um, and just know that uh, you have impacted thousands and thousands of people. And, and we are happy to spread this message to everyone that's willing to listen. Well, thank you guys for having me. It does mean a, a great deal. And I think a lot of both of you guys, I certainly do and respect you both. And uh, thank you for, you know, giving me this opportunity and platform to communicate, you know, about the things that are, you know, really important to me and to soul and football. And um, certainly I'm going to miss the game. Um, you know, it was not an easy decision. It was an agonizing one, but uh, you know, you, you understand what's important too in your life and your family. And I want to be able to provide for them accordingly as well. But uh, thank you guys for having me. It was a real pleasure a unique opportunity, one in which I really enjoyed. Um, and so thank you. And as I mentioned, if there's anything you guys ever need, you know how appreciate to appreciate that coach. You got it. It's my pleasure, guys. All right. With that, we're going to wrap up today's episode with coach Kevin Miller. Thanks for joining us. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever platform you need to find great uh, information. We are excited to put this out there. And as always, let's keep chasing life, leadership, and greatness in all that we do. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Coach.